changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Good evening. Welcome to What's the Word. This is Randy Johnson, your host, bringing you another edition, another episode, another show called What's the Word. My whole goal with this show the initial why would Randy Johnson want to have a radio show is simply to be able to bring to light events of the world in our world here in Adair County or around the globe and see those through the lens of Scripture. What does the Bible say of how a Christian should react and should act in certain situations and to certain situations. So that is why in the little music that you hear, the intro music and the last little words, the only words you hear in the music, it says everything changes. Everything does change in the world. I mean, (laughs) you know, many years ago you'd say, oh, everything changes daily. I would say in the technology world that we live in, Things change instantaneously, whether or not you pay attention to those changes, but they're changing all the time. But we know as Christians that the one thing that never changes is the character and the nature of God. And everything that relates to him, meaning his word, his spirit, the way God Acts and the way that God moves and how God leads and his consistency and his love and his grace and his mercy, all of those attributes, all of those characteristics, God never changes. And so we can always go back to his word and know that in a world that is constantly changing, how can we be anchored still and anchored down and be still in the rock-solid foundation that is immovable, unchangeable in a world that is always changing. So that's my goal on this show. And if you are looking for a radio show or a podcast, because I have one of those, I put all of these shows on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that on Google, Spotify, iTunes. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash Way. Just do a search for Randy Johnson, Walk This Way podcast. You'll find it uh, on some streaming service that carries podcasts. You'll find it. But if you're looking for a podcast that fits that need of how does a Christian react in a crazy world that's always changing, that's, that's the goal of my show. Uh, there are lots of other shows. There's lots of other podcasts and lots of other radio shows. I don't pretend to be the end-all, be-all of all podcasts and all radio shows, but I do have a point, and I do have a goal, and that is my goal. I am the pastor of Columbia Baptist Church here in the heart of Adair County, Columbia, Kentucky. Very thankful to be here. Very thankful for what the Lord has done. Uh, Some of you know, especially my church members know, that this is actually the second time that I've pastored Columbia Baptist Church. I was here from 2002 to 2008, uh, six full years, and loved being here, made friends, enjoyed the ministry that God blessed me with here. Uh, God led us uh, elsewhere, and so we left in 2008, but opportunity uh, presented itself in 2018 for us to come back, my family and I, to move back to Adair County uh, after being in Louisiana for a, a time and then being in central Illinois for a time. And so now here we are. I can't believe it's been over three years since we've been back. So almost 10 years, going on 10 years, so nine full years of ministry right here at Columbia Baptist Church. And I say all of that to say this, and I'll mention this at the end of the show. And by the way, 
if, if you've just tuned in, you're just kind of listening to the first few moments and you're wondering, Hey, should I listen to this guy? I've got some content on this show that, that is can't miss. You're going to want to hear their things that, that need to be talked about and discussed from a Christian perspective. So I definitely want you to hang on and hear that. But before I share those things, I just want to say that not this weekend, but the following weekend, August the 28th and 29th, at Columbia Baptist Church, we're going to have a homecoming weekend. We at the church and different people in leadership, we've been talking about this for months. I can't believe it's a week and a half away. But here it is. We're coming up right on August the 28th and 29th. So the 28th, that Saturday evening at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a meal outdoors we're going to have a, a time of worship outdoors. We're going to hear some testimonies, hear a vision of what our church has adopted, of what God is doing in our church now, leading us into the future uh, with some special building and remodeling projects and new ministry ideas and just things that, that God is moving in the life of our church. We're going to share all of that with anybody that wants to come, any part of the community, you know, a family, an individual, somebody who's just curious, hey, what's going on at Columbia Baptist Church? You just want something to eat. We're going to have food that evening and just really just enjoy that time together. And then families are going to enjoy a little bit after 7 when it starts to get dark. Uh, families are going to be uh, are going to have the opportunity to enjoy an outdoor movie together. So that's going to be fun. That Saturday evening, we're praying for good weather and praying that all of that goes well. We're going to have bounce houses for the kids. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have food. We're going to have drinks outside. Just It'll be a great time. We'd love to have uh, so many people from the community come by. And so the, all of that's going to start at 5 on August the 28th. Then on August the 29th, on Sunday morning, we're going to start worship in our sanctuary at 9 o'clock, and we're going to have an extended time of worship. Normally we have worship and then Bible study, and right, which happens right after our worship time. But this that, that Sunday, August the 29th, what we're going to do instead is just have an extended time of worship. We're going to bring back... Uh, former pastor. We're going to bring back former staff member. We're going to talk and share testimonies. We're going to hear about great things that God has done in the past, great things that God is doing now and how he's leading into the future. Lots of celebrating, lots of excitement, and we would love for you to join us for worship that Sunday morning. We would love for you to be a part of what the Lord's doing at Columbia Baptist Church. So we're right off the square on Greensburg Street. Uh, we are Oddly enough, uh, a landmark, I suppose. We're right across the street from the county jail, so uh, we're easy to find in that sense. But as soon as you turn on Greensburg Street, start looking on the left. Uh, you know, if you're going around the square and you go down Greensburg Street, immediately start looking to the left because we are literally the second building uh, as soon as you turn on Greensburg Street off of the square there on the left. So we'd love to have you anytime. If you can't make it that Sunday and the best you can do is maybe catch us live on Facebook or you know our, our worship service or maybe watch us another time, whatever way that you can join us that weekend, we would love to have you. So I wanted to share that kind of at the top of the show because it's an exciting time in the life of the church. And let me just tell you this before I, I get off of that particular subject. Aaron and I were on uh, the radio yesterday morning uh, just sharing a little bit in uh, WAIN, just sharing a little bit about this weekend, this that, that homecoming weekend, August 28th and 29th, and what we've called the entire month of August and really have called this campaign of what we're doing now and into the future is called Kingdom Legacy. And the reason that those words were chosen is very strategic because this is not my legacy. This is not Columbia Baptist Church's legacy. We're not trying to build buildings or renovate things or start new ministries to you know, leave behind any 
legacy of any person or any personality. We are about the kingdom. We are about pointing people to Jesus, God's kingdom, his family. And so to be a part of that, even if it's a small part, you're part of leaving a kingdom legacy right here in the heart of Adair County. And so why shouldn't we be excited about that? Because we're not celebrating me, not celebrating you, not celebrating our church. We're lifting up Jesus and we're pointing people to God and his kingdom. So that's what that weekend is all about. And I would love to have you, love to meet you, if I've never had a chance to do that, love to meet you at uh, the Saturday evening gathering or our Sunday morning worship. By the way, we do have worship this coming Sunday morning, so we'd love to see you there too. Well, I have a couple of things that I want to share with you and I want to talk about this evening that really, you know, when I mentioned a few minutes ago, about how quickly the world changes. I don't think that the current generation, and, and I'm talking about my kids, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, and even up, up to probably 30. I don't know that that generation or that age range of, of people really comprehend how fast information gets to the ears and the eyes of Americans. I, I just don't think that we appreciate that. I remember the days when our family would sit down and eat dinner at 5.30 every single night at 5.30. Why 5.30, you say? Is that an ideal time to eat? No, that's when the news came on. And the local television station had their evening broadcast at 5.30, and then at 6 o'clock, ABC World News would come on, and if we were still eating or if there was something pressing, that would be watched for a little while as well. But I can almost guarantee you that... We ate dinner for almost a good solid 30 minutes, to, or at least the first 20 minutes, to be able to catch all of the highlights. Why? Well, at that point, as a kid, didn't have an evening newspaper. We just had a morning newspaper. There was no internet. There was no other source of news unless you're watching something on TV and you get irritated because the TV station breaks in and says, this program has been interrupted to bring you this update from, and then they would tell you what the big breaking news update was. And you'd sit there most of the time, at least as a kid, irritated because they took your show off to tell you some boring newscast. But that's how you found out all of these you know, crazy events or these, you know, earth shattering events or whatever. Now in the year 2021, there are countless, and I literally mean countless sources of information, whether it is a website, a blog post, a, a, a news outlet that has a website, Facebook, uh, you know, even now social media like Instagram and some of those will have some, some news stories, but you know, some of those, uh, social media, Twitter, there are countless ways that we find out what's going on in the world, almost to the point that it's irritating that we hear things faster than we can really begin to process. And something that I've noticed is I've noticed, especially being a pastor and seeing groups of people gather together, people listen, they read, they watch, they kind of absorb the, the fire hydrant presentation of new information. But they process how they feel about it by talking to other people. You know, we have, and I've mentioned on the show before, we have a Tuesday morning men's prayer group that meets and you, and we start at seven, but almost everybody is here long before seven o'clock. 
you know, I get to the church at about 6.30, 6.40, and I'm late because there's already a good, you know, seven or eight guys standing around in the kitchen drinking their first or maybe second cup of coffee that they're having at the church. And so I'm late. Well, what are they doing? They're in there talking about all kinds of things. Well, Tuesday morning, I walk into the kitchen and I don't remember what the conversation was. It was something fairly light, a little bit of laughter. And then Pastor Aaron, who's our family pastor, walks in and he's former military. He served uh, in Iraq and South Korea and several other places in the United States. And I don't know if somebody asked him. I think a question was kind of directed his way about the situation in Afghanistan. And it may have been as simple as, Aaron, were you stationed in Afghanistan? And he you know, said, well, no, he was only stationed uh, in that part of the world in Iraq. But immediately the conversation about what took place earlier this week and over the weekend of what took place in Kabul, in Afghanistan, in the airport, the U.S. Embassy, the, you know, the, the city itself. And I just watched this conversation unfolding with some of these men. And I'm seeing like generations of guys talking about this. And the younger generation is a little more irritated. The older generation is more exasperated. And what I began to see and what I began to pick up on, you know, I've read these stories and I've, I've followed what has taken place. And I'm certainly no expert, so please don't hear me say that I have read so much that I know everything that's going on in Afghanistan because that is absolutely not true. But I do know that several of our previous presidents wanted some kind of a healthy withdrawal from Afghanistan and be able to empower the government to maintain what the U.S. government and the U.S. military has helped to provide there with some stability, with some training, with some you know, support, military support. But what seemed to happen, now this is just commentary. This, I'm not telling you news facts. I'm telling you Randy's commentary, opinion on this. What seemed to take place was after 20 years of the United States government and the United States military having some kind of involvement in Afghanistan, some kind of a desire to bring peace, to countries that are, I would say, they're not ruled by, but they are uh, oppressed by extremists and terrorists. And the United States have, has spent money, has spent, you know, American soldiers' lives, their families have suffered. You know, there's been a lot of cost, and whether it's people cost or financial or military resources, whatever it is, time, energy, all of that for the last 20 years, it seemed like somebody pulled the plug in a bathtub or better yet, a toilet bowl, and the water flushed down the drain so very fast, like in seconds, that I kept thinking in my brain, again, this is Randy's commentary, I kept thinking in my brain, it took 20 years to get to this point. It seemingly took seconds for it to fall apart. And I thought to myself, this is sin. Now look, don't hear me say as a preacher that I'm kind of boiling everything down to sin but this is this is how this is how the world works it is difficult to build it is simple to destroy it is complicated to architecturally design a building and it is expensive to put brick and mortar and 
electricity and structure and furniture and you know finishing touches and paint it takes time and energy to build something it just simply takes a detonation of a bomb to destroy what may have taken months to build you know, if, if you've ever seen a building explode from any kind of planned detonation, it takes seconds for a 20-story building to collapse into nothingness where it, may, it might have taken six months to build. And it took six seconds for it to fall to the ground. You know, I'm speaking in generalities here. But that's the concept of what I thought. And I thought to myself... And I heard this Tuesday morning with some of these guys and particularly with, you know, those that have served in the military. With that kind of an exit and that kind of a takeover with the Taliban marching into Kabul and marching into, you know, not only that city but the airport and, you know, and and the U.S. Embassy and people fleeing from that and just the dramatic overtaking where it happened so quickly, I thought to myself, was the cost not involved in this process? Now, I was not really aware or definitely not alert during the Vietnam years. But I know a lot of people made a correlation between the war in Afghanistan and Iraq to Vietnam. And, and frankly, people said, well, there's never going to be an end to either one. Well, here's the problem. Because of the way sin operates in the world, anytime you are trying to build for peace, because it takes seconds to destroy the moment that you begin providing peace, you have to always provide it. There's no such thing as saying, you know, we're going to provide peace for 20 years and then you're on your own. It really just doesn't happen that way, in Randy's personal opinion. And when the United States went into Vietnam... And when the United States went into Afghanistan and Iraq, we made a decision to seek to bring peace to that part of the world that had only known terrorism, that had known corrupt politics, that had known so much upheaval and so much disrespect for women, children, I mean, just on and on and on and on. And I just saw what took place over the last few days and that quick exit and I thought to myself, what about the soldiers that died providing that peace? What about the families that lost loved ones who served in the military? You know, did they serve for nothing? And it just made me sad to think even for a second that somebody would answer that question with a yes, that their service and their time, their attention, that somebody might say, yeah, it meant nothing because we left so quickly and just handed it over to the Taliban. I don't know everything. I don't know all the ins and outs of the story, and I don't pretend to. I don't know all the ins and outs of our own government. I don't know the ins and outs of all of the military extraction exercises and all of the, the, the plans and the conversations that go into those kinds of things, and I have no idea if there's any conspiracy, if there's any issue. I just don't know. I haven't read, haven't researched, and haven't formulated a, an opinion about that, but here's what I do know. I know that there are places in the world that are tremendously oppressed because of sin. And when I say sin, I'm talking about people who do not love others, who do not put the needs of others ahead of themselves, 
who do not live for the greater good of society, people who, you know, we're talking about billions of people on the planet that live under some kind of oppressive system that will sell them into slavery, that will kill them in a heartbeat because they believe the wrong thing or look the wrong way or did the wrong, born into the wrong, whatever. There are billions of people on the planet that live in that kind of an oppressed society, and that's all because of sin. We in the United States of America live in a government system that was founded upon Christian principles. And whether people in the United States want to admit it or not, freedom that we have is something that we only truly know because of God. We only really know what freedom is because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Because outside of a biblical-based, scripture-based worldview, without that as your foundation, you're going to start with a completely flawed, sin-filled perspective that you're going to see in parts of the world like where the Taliban and all of these ruthless, immoral, basically slave traders of their own people where they live. The United States of America, are, we're founded upon Christian principles, and we don't act that way. And the reason we don't act that way and the reason that we have a, for the most part, a very civilized society is because we have been raised in a system with the foundation of how to treat each other, how to be civilized in our society from the pages of Scripture. That is the, 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 the foundation and the basis upon which our country was built. And then you go to countries like Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, and you go to some of those countries and you see the way that they live and you see how the government is and you see how they treat their people. And I can tell you that is the difference between what makes America great and, and what makes those other countries such a, a, a challenging place to live is simply because the United States of America has been poured upon with the grace of God. And we have God to thank for the blessing that we have in America. And we are so spoiled. And we take so much of it for granted. And we don't even begin to think about the reason that we have freedom. And listen, we're not going to capitalist countries or civilized countries bringing peace we're going to the, the most challenging countries in the world. Who are, who, are, uh, the, who are the biggest threats to the United States of America? Who are the biggest threats to the known world, the countries of this globe? You have North Korea. You have... Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, you have some of these countries. There are, there are several others. But what makes those countries such a danger and such a red flag to the rest of the world and particularly to America? It's not just simply because they hate America. It's, just, it's, it's mostly because they hate freedom. They don't want to empower people to vote. They don't want to let people have the kind of life where they can enjoy life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's the American dream. That doesn't exist in Afghanistan. That doesn't exist in North Korea. Those are countries that have their finger on or their thumb on a red button of whatever kinds of explosives or whatever kinds of, 
uh, of military pushback they can give. Why? Because their only desire is greed and hunger and power and control and hatred and anger and wrath and all of those things. And they see America as a place to destroy. So those are my thoughts when I looked at some of the events of what was taking place uh, the other day. And again, I, I've read so many stories and seen so much about this Taliban takeover, and it just saddens me. Not only for the 20 years that our soldiers and our military and our government have been involved in Afghanistan trying to get it to a place of respectability and a place of freedom and a place that is no longer or at least a controlled threat of terrorism to the rest of the world and particularly to American soil. But I also see what a tragic loss it is for the sake of freedom and for the sake of peace. Again, which the Taliban has zero interest in providing or in going after. You know, just, I guess, just kind of continuing uh, about some of that commentary. I don't want to spend the whole show talking about that, but, you know, what makes me sad about, or part of what makes me sad about the Taliban and, and Afghanistan are the Christians that live there. Uh, there are believers, and there are people who have professed faith in Jesus who already, because of their Christian faith, were already under great, great persecution and honestly had to really guard themselves from that persecution over the last 20 years, you know, even with that military presence and with the, uh, the United States government and the United States embassy being there. And now that the Taliban has taken over and they are going house by house and going, uh, literally going house to house and pulling people out of their homes and taking girls and selling them into slavery and just doing all kinds of unimaginable things. Now you have an even higher likelihood that the Christian witness that has been in this city and has been in this country that had some, even, you know, some small level of protection. Now, all of a sudden, you have a regime that's in control that has zero tolerance for Christianity and has no reason and, and honestly no conscience not to you know, withhold any persecution and, and just you know, kill or behead or whatever they desire to do to people that profess to be believers in Christ. And so I got an email yesterday just asking to encourage people to join in prayer, myself included, but asking others to join me in prayer for Afghanistan and pray for those believers that are there. Here's one thing that I, that I absolutely know about persecution, and that is this. God's people, whether we're talking about Israel uh, in the Old Testament or we're talking about followers of Christ and those that have been born into the family of God through a spiritual birth. I know that persecution and the shedding of Christian blood does a great advancement and is a great help to the gospel of Christ. You can see it all through the Bible. Uh, you can see it all through Christian history People have preached about this, talked about this, taught, written books about this. Anytime Christians have been persecuted over the last 2,000 years, there have been many, many moments where the Christian faith and the good news of Jesus just takes off like wildfire. 
And you would think it would be the exact opposite. But as Christians are, their lives are taken, their testimony expands exponentially. And, you know, I could give you, I could give you many examples of, of this truth. But, you know, one, one quick example from the Old Testament that is as probably as famous as any event in all of the Bible is from the book of Exodus, the second book in the Old Testament. God's people were under oppression and were slaves in Egypt. And it didn't take long for the Pharaoh in Egypt to forget all about Joseph and the, the deal that he had with Joseph to take care of and provide for God's people. Well, it also didn't take long after making them slaves that God's people outnumbered and outworked the people in Egypt. And so when God brought his people out of Egypt, I genuinely believe that there was some sense of fear that on Pharaoh's part, that if he let God's people go out of bondage to slavery, that they just might overtake their own, you know, his own country of Egypt. And of course, you know, Moses had already told Pharaoh Listen, the reason God wants you to let these people go is because they want to go out in the desert. They want to, in other words, they want to go away from this country and they want to have the freedom to worship. And that's exactly what ended up happening. But only after God's people, who, by the way, went to Egypt to escape a famine, ended up becoming so strong and powerful and outnumbering the people in Egypt that that was the reason why Pharaoh made them slaves. So that's a very old example, like quite a few thousand years old example of whenever God's people are oppressed, the gospel, God's work, God's hand, God's blessing comes down in a remarkable way. Uh, you see this in the, in the book of Acts and the early church. Even Saul, who was later named Paul, he started persecuting the church. Thousands of people were, be were being saved. At the exact same time that, that Paul was doing what the Taliban are doing in Afghanistan, Paul was going from house to house looking for Christians and would kill them. Now, again, his name was Saul in, in the early chapters in the book of Acts, and later the Lord changed his name to Paul. But he was a Christian killer. And yet with all of that persecution that was going on, thousands of people were being saved. The gospel was spreading like wildfire then. Then all of a sudden God gets a hold of Paul. And guess what? Paul now goes city to city making disciples and planting churches. And you know what Paul experienced for being a follower of Christ? He experienced persecution. How was Paul's persecution a good thing, you might ask? Do you know virtually every letter, not necessarily every one, but, but very many of Paul's letters in the New Testament were written when he was in prison. He was in prison for being a Christian. And this is how we received most of the New Testament. The letters that he wrote, by and large, many of them were written while he was being persecuted for being a Christian, which he himself used to do. So I want to pray and am praying and will continue to pray for the people in Afghanistan who are believers in Christ and who are faithful to live their life in a way that brings glory and honor to the Lord Jesus but I also know that if the Taliban goes house to house and they find Christians in Afghanistan and they kill them, I know that the blessing and the hand of God is going to somehow, some way, make that a, a movement of the Christian faith. But I saw this quote and the, the president of Afghanistan who fled 
to uh, Tajikistan over the weekend, he said this. Well, he, you know, he fled in order to uh, to escape. But there is a regional director. Uh, I was thinking this quote I was about to read came from the president, but I uh, there was a, a a message that came from a regional director of Christian of a Christian network that exists in that area of the world to get news to and get news from those Christians in those types of countries to make people like me and make people like you aware of how to pray for them. And here is what the director of Christians in that area of the world said. He said, it's a heartbreaking day for the citizens of Afghanistan and even and an even dangerous time to be a Christian. He said, it's an uncertain situation for the whole country, not just for believers. Our hearts are broken. We knew this could happen. We are not surprised, but, it, but this does not make the pain any less. According to this office, there were and have been just this year over 100,000 people displaced by conflict in Afghanistan this year. And since May the 21st, that number has more than doubled. And I'm sure just in the last couple of days, that number is just going to continue to rise because the conflict is there, the anger is there, the desire for control is there, the sense of losing peace, losing freedom, having a stranglehold on that country. All of this is going to be as a result of the last few days events. And, and again, as the temperature, as the anger rises and the temperature of hatred and, and sinfulness rises, the more the persecution is going to continue. I'll tell you how I think about freedom in countries that don't have it. Now, if anybody out there would argue and say, Hey, to each his own. We have it. Other countries don't have it. They don't have freedom. Let them live without it. You know, if somebody were to push back and say something like that, I would answer simply with this. I, I saw a video, and there were pictures. There were all sorts of news stories about what I'm about to say. But there was a U.S. Air Force C-17 plane leaving Kabul just a few days ago. And there were Afghanistan residents running alongside of the plane, hanging on to the wheels of the plane, trying to hold on as the plane was leaving their country so that they too could get out and be free. Friends, there is nothing sweeter than freedom. There is nothing more precious to an American than to have the freedom that we have been blessed with. And I will double down on that and say there is nothing sweeter to any Christian than to know without any hesitation that they have been set free from the wages or the payment of their sin because they have placed their faith and trust not in a government, not in a world system, not in a personality, but in the person of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, who took their place and died a cruel death so that you and I would not have to. And we would not have to pay for our sins. We could trust in Jesus and be forever set free from our sin, both now and into the future and for all of eternity. Simply because Jesus took every lash, every beating, Every ounce of pain and death, he did it all so that you and I would not have to. 
And I've watched videos of people hanging on for dear life and falling hundreds if not thousands of feet to their death because as the plane got off the ground, as it began to make its fast ascent in, into the sky, they could no longer hold on and they died trying to grasp freedom that they once knew a little taste of and they knew that that day was over. And I'll tell you something about the people of Afghanistan who did that. You know, in their minds, they must have known, I can't hold on the entire flight. This, the plane's going to go too fast. The wind is going to blow too hard. My human body is just not strong enough to hold on to an airplane as it travels, you know, hundreds of miles an hour, thousands of feet in the air. But think about their decision to do that knowing that even dying, trying to maintain some glimmer of hope, trying to, to have some kind of freedom, even dying for that is better than living in bondage and in fear. This is not the, just the American dream. This is the Christian reality. I don't have to fight to hold on to my salvation. I don't have to fight to hold on for the freedom and the peace that God has given to me. It is mine as a gift. And in fact, the Bible teaches, and Jesus reminds us that we are in the palm of his hand. And it is not that my grip on Jesus is strong enough for me to hold on. It is that Jesus' grip is firm and is eternal, and he has a hold of me. So I don't have to try to hold on to something that I'm incapable of, of maintaining and that I can say, hey, I'd rather die trying than to live without it. I don't have to do that. But this is the situation that these in Afghanistan are in. I, I'm looking at a video right now, the C-17 trying to taxi off of the, the plane. There's at least a thousand, several hundred, if not a thousand, Afghani people around this plane that the plane could run over at any time if they just stopped running. But they're literally running in front of and beside this plane while you see dozens hanging on to the wheel, grasping at the side of the plane. You know, you might say, hey, I, I'm not in any kind of lack of freedom or peace like these people are, and I feel sorry for them. And, you know, that might be your response and, and, and you may in some level be right because as an American, you have freedom that these people don't have. But I, I will warn you and, and tell you this. If you don't have a relationship with God through Christ and you've never been set free from your sin and you've never trusted in Jesus for eternal life and for that peace and for that freedom, then you're worse off than this person hanging on to this airplane because you won't even get off the ground. There's nothing, the Bible teaches us clearly, there's nothing that we can do in order to be saved. When the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, it simply means it is a gift, and it goes on to say, it is a gift from God. You are saved by God's grace, he freely gives something to you that you could never earn on your own. And you receive it by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. It is a gift from God, not of works, not of anything that you could ever do. God has given this to you. And I see so many people and hear from so many people that have two problems. They're either content to live without that peace and freedom from sin 
and they're content to live their life without a relationship with God, or they think that what they're doing to be saved and to have eternal life and to have forgiveness of their sins, they think that their grip is strong enough. Well, unfortunately, neither of those beliefs are correct because your grip is not strong enough to hold on to whatever you think is going to provide freedom. And number two, there is no contentment in life without a true relationship with God through Christ. So if for nothing else, the, the sadness, a part of the sadness that I feel for Afghanistan is the loss of any potential United States, either military or government personnel who happen to also be a Christian, now they have been taken out of Afghanistan. So even a United States Christian that had a testimony that could possibly be a witness to somebody in Afghanistan, now that's gone. And as I said a moment ago, now the persecution against those Christians that are Af from Afghanistan, living in these cities, living now under the regime of something like the Taliban, who is not looking out for peace. They are not interested in freedom. They are interested in control. They are interested in, in having their way. They are interested in terrorism, and that's the bottom line. And now those that are believers in Jesus Christ that are from Afghanistan under that kind of government control, now there's a potential, even higher potential, that they will lose their life for being a believer in Jesus. Lots to pray about and lots of uh, issues. Pray for the women in that country. Women under Taliban rule, this is a fact. Women under the Taliban rule will be stripped of opportunities for education. They will, uh, will be stripped of opportunity of decency and treated as a respectable part of society. They went from, just two or three days ago, they went from being a part of society, now they are considered a subhuman almost, a commodity, a, a, a good that can be distributed or sold or whatever they want to do. And we're talking about a human soul that God has made in his own image who is a female, and now because the Taliban are in control, now women are looked at as a commodity, something that can be bought or sold or discarded if it's not needed. It's a human being we're talking about. Need to be praying. And as the email you know, encouraged, we need to be praying that this country is not a, a haven for extremists. Taliban government of 20 years ago, before the United States got involved, are known enablers of extremist Islamic organizations. And now that the Taliban has come in, has driven the United States embassy out, now that this unrest is here, now we fear for the future for them. So enough about that. Lots more that could be said, but it's just a time to pray. It, it's a time to call on the Lord to intervene and to change hearts and to you know, bring peace to a place that is in desperate need of it. 
Um, so yes, there are people that are fleeing right now and we certainly pray for their safety as they leave. Uh, I'm looking at all these countless stories that I had brought to the radio show that I've kind of glossed over and have summarized for you over the last, you know, 40 plus minutes, but you can look up, you can, you can go to all sorts of websites. Unfortunately, you know, as I mentioned a minute ago, there are all sorts of websites and, and news media sites. You can go and, and find out who's in control, who is the, the leadership of the Taliban and pray for them by name. Even if you don't know how to pronounce their name, even if you don't know who these people are and you think, well, it won't do any good. Look, as the Bible teaches us in first John, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And if you believe that and you believe that the power of God is greater than the power of sin and the power of the enemy, then you pray for these Taliban leaders by name. You pray for that leadership structure that's just taken over and you pray that the Holy Spirit of God gets a hold of them and somehow, some way, the gospel of Jesus will explode in Afghanistan much, much, much bigger than any bomb or any terrorist threat or any extremist Islamic group, uh, we need the good news of Jesus Christ to invade the world. Well, I don't have much time left, but and and I, it doesn't sound like I've got much of a voice left either. But you know, in just these last few minutes, let me let me just kind of wrap up the show by saying this. You know, as I consider my place in the world. Some of you may be sitting in your cars or you may be at home. You may be, you know, listening to this on a podcast, live streaming it, whatever. And some of you may be thinking, you know, pastor, this sounds so pie in the sky. This sounds so, you know, it sounds like here I am in South central Kentucky. What in the world can I do about Afghanistan? Well, I, I, I did just a moment ago. I wanted to continue to challenge you to pray because that is the one thing that all of us can do, no matter who we are or where we are. We can certainly pray for these extreme situations and these, the, these desperate, troubling, troubling moments. We, we can definitely fall on our face and pray. But let me just tell you this, though. If God gives you opportunity to travel whether it's other places in the United States or if it's other countries, other, bring the good news of Jesus Christ with you. You know, one of the great blessings that we have in the United States is the wealth that God has blessed us with and the stability of our government and our currency and all this stuff and the opportunity that we have to travel. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be leading a trip to Israel, Lord willing, next June, I've been to China about 13 times. I haven't been in several years because of uh, COVID stuff and just travel restrictions. But, you know, I've been to these other countries and I've been all over the United States and still have a lot of travel that I would love to do. But whenever you leave our country and go to another country or whenever you are blessed to be able to travel even out of state or into another community. Take the name of Jesus with you because you have no idea the impact that just planting a seed somewhere to someone, how it might impact the rest of the world. Our job is not to judge the product that comes from planting the seed, just our willingness to plant it. That's it. All we are called to do is just be willing to plant seeds and let God do what he desires to do with them. So that's my encouragement to you as we kind of wrap up this evening. And I appreciate so much WAIN and 101.9 giving me the opportunity to have this time slot to share with you. Again, if you missed any of the show and want to hear any of it, all of it, part of it again, you can go to my podcast starting tomorrow morning, which is called Walk This Way. You can go to anchor.fm backslash walk this way, and you can find every episode of this show that I have ever done all uploaded right there. 
So thank you, or any place where you listen to podcasts, just search for my name and search for Walk This Way. But thank you so much for joining me tonight. I hope you have a great rest of the week, and I hope that the Lord blesses you in many, many ways. Thank you so much. And again, if you missed any part of this show, you can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way on my podcast. Have a great rest of the week.